As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike tried his coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville, now part of the Athletic Baseball Show, where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and all spring training long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for the Athletic, and I am joined one more time by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. So, Mm -hmm. Doug... Happy spring training, my friend. It is here. It makes me feel all warm inside. How about you? I'm feeling good. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate you always rattling off the hats that I wear. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've added a Super Bowl helmet to my collection. <laughs> so I figured I'd, you know, just add some, some more is things right? to put on my head. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But I'm uh, very excited. <laughs> I mean, spring training, the feeling, you know, it comes. And, and it's been really warm here in Connecticut. It was like 60 degrees today. I'm like... Baseball just, you know, reaches your bloodstream at that point. So I'm, I'm very excited about what we're about to embark on the 2023 season. So it is right around the corner, and I'm, uh, I'm fired up about it. Yeah, me too. Uh, look, we have a spectacular guest to help us kick off spring training. Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies and Team USA is going to join us to talk about getting over losing stuff like the World Series and the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, uh, playing in the WBC, uh, new rules, lots more. Can't wait for that. Always fun to talk to Kyle. But first, let's talk about what's going to make this spring training different from any other spring training that we have ever witnessed. And that is all the new rules that baseball is mm. about to roll out. Uh, Doug just wrote a fun piece about that in The Athletic. Uh, and look, let's just be honest here. I don't know if I can say this. It, it, as I wrote... It's going to be a show. Now, let me explain. 
Why is it going to be a show? First part is, this is not my term. I heard so many people in baseball use it that I thought, I'm going to use it. So I wrote it. <laughs> Second thing is, uh, it's going to be a show because Major League Baseball is not going to phase in these new rules gradually. They're going to be in place from the first game of spring training. Uh, umpires have been told to strictly enforce literally everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I want you to imagine this. Doug, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, just a few things. A few disputes. Yeah. A few, yeah. few ejections. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. We're, we're going to get all that. And, you know, as I wrote, uh, MLB's actually welcoming the show aspect of this because they need everyone to get through this stage of the process just to get players acclimated to how different the game is going to be played now. And I don't know. I mean, we have multiple rules, but the pitch clock, I think, is going to wreak havoc, Doug. Mm. It's 15 seconds between pitches, mm. 20 seconds with men on base. Oh, yeah. Uh, pitchers who have to retrain themselves not to step off the rubber every time they get flustered because that creates huge advantages for base runners. Um, hitters have to get in the box and lock in in the picture, pitcher mm -hmm. in like seven seconds. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I know teams have tried to get everybody ready. I know players have been working out all winter with a clock. But, I, Doug, I, you know, I want you to think as a player here. Aren't we talking about humans who have played with a certain routine and a certain tempo all their lives? And now they have to rewire their brains to play with a whole different tempo? I mean, you played baseball for many years. How hard is that to do? It's impossible. Um, really? You know, it's got to be possible because it's, well, it's got to happen. No, they're going to have to. But I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, there's so many things come to mind, but just one thing simple is uh, size. You know, if we go down the line, I mean, maybe you could help me with this. But if you just take the size of the base. Now, when I hit a ground ball... By the time I was experienced in the game, I knew exactly how many steps and I knew exactly where I was going to hit the base. I mean, this was this was like burned into my 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 soul at a certain point. The angles you take going around to cut the corners, all that was not just because you practiced it a couple of spring trainings because it was just etched in my whole psyche and how I actually physically approached the game. That's hard to, to adjust. I mean, you, they're going to have to practice. Whether you're Freddie Freeman trying to find first base, uh, that alone is like, that would like scare me a little bit. Like, and uh, so I wonder about like how that's going to play out. But I, I also remember, I think it was Sandy Alderson one spring training in 2000, somewhere around there where the umpires, they were trying to change the strike zone because they weren't calling the high strike. And they were trying to go to the quote, the letter of the law and all these things. So they're like, we're calling the high strike. We're calling the high strike. We're calling the high strike. And, you know, it lasted for like two months. But it was really a, a window into how tough it is even for umpires who have had rituals and routines and rhythms about how they have their zone set up. It's so hard to change when you had so much experience in it. And uh, look, it would have been great for me if we had a high stroke zone and brought the zone up. I mean, that would have changed my career. But the reality is, you know, it was too habitual for pitchers and umpires to just be like into the old school way that they did things. So I think you're going to run into quite a bit of that. 
I think the bases are one. I mean, the clocks, you know, you just speed up. I think you'll figure that out. But I don't know. I, I, I think the bases are kind of going under the radar here about just the steps and the footwork around the bag. Uh, I think it'll be weird. And I think it's going to take a little time to get used to. That's a really good point. You haven't heard... I haven't heard anybody talk about that aspect of it. And I, I spent a lot of time talking about this. Um, but, you know, back to what you were talking about with baseball going through that phase where it tried to call the high strike and people couldn't do it, so they just gave up. They're, they're not going to give up. <laughs> I mean, players didn't want to do this. You know that, right? It was part of the labor negotiations, and players fought it. But I think they understood baseball had the leverage, and then it just had to kind of stand back, get out of the way, and let baseball do what it was going to do. But that's a thing to keep in mind here. Another thing to keep in mind is umpires have been told, uh, we don't want you to cut anybody slack. We want you to call everything, every violation that you see, call them all. And, you know, there's going to be a shock value in that that's going to deliver a lot of lessons, but it's going to be messy. And umpires, it, they have a lot of stuff to keep track of that they've never had to keep track of before. But w- what I'm personally waiting for is, you know, and I know, there's going to be an Angel Hernandez <laughs> moment where it might not even be from Angel, but Angel or some umpire is literally going to decide a game. A hitter isn't going to get himself back in the box in time, or a pitcher isn't going to start his delivery on time, or there's going to be some kind of balk related to the timer and the pickoff limits that go with it, and it's going to allow the winning run to score, or some star player is going to get called out on strikes for not being in the box or whatever, and then what? Okay, like, isn't this going to be a, a nutty scene, Doug? Oh, but be, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's going to be bananas. And, uh, and, you know, I think there's, like, you, you have to adjust. You have to figure out how to make those adjustments. But, yeah, if you sit there and ring someone up, right, with, like, bases loaded, you know, bottom of the ninth inning, it's like, like you have the example, Pete Alonso, you're out of there. You didn't get in ready in time. I mean, I just wonder if, like, Maybe some umpires will call timeout or something, or someone, you know, stop. <laughs> no. I mean, I'd love to see some challenge flags. That's what I'd like to see. Because I'm curious, can you challenge the clock? Can you throw no. it like, no? Oh! You know, it's like if I have my Apple Watch, I'm timing myself. I said, no, no, you. I still have 0.2 milliseconds left. You didn't give me the 0.2, and then you argue and get thrown out. <laughs> so I think, you know, right. I, I mean, that, it's like. That's, hey, let me just interject. This, this is an important point. Arguing any clock violation is mandatory ejection. Oh. So you can't you, you can't throw a flag. You can't throw a tantrum. You're gone. Right now, doesn't time move a little slower? No, actually, it moves a little faster at higher altitudes. So in Colorado, we got all kind of problems. All no. kind of problems. A You're second 30 is seconds. still a second. Canada, Ooh. there might be a conversion rate. I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Look, right. I, I, here's what I predict. I predict we're going to have a highly entertaining spring training. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're going to have just crazy stuff that we can kick around every show. Um, oh, can't wait. I, I make, right? It makes me wonder, are they doing this just for the benefit of us Yes. and everyone here in Starkville? I mean, I have all kinds of visions. Um, you know, I heard Alex Cora refer to the new bases as pizza boxes. Right there, 
there's a sponsorship opportunity. And I, I just want to see it happen. I want to see Domino's Pizza deliver when someone gets on first base and actually have, <laughs> and like they, they don't realize there's a pizza under their feet at first base, a medium size, maybe 16 inch. Well, how big are these bases? 18, something like that. They're, they're 15. They've gone from 15 to 18. That's right. Exactly. So there you go. 16 right, here, inch pizza. Here's Love the problem. Uh, you've only got 20 seconds to eat the pizza with Ben on base. That's right. You bring it around <laughs> the bases and deliver it home. That's, that's the whole stick. You deliver it home. You go around the bases. I mean, you know, we got to think outside the box here. I mean, there are pizza boxes. You just, I mean, you know, it's going to happen in some in between innings race between people. They're going to put pizza boxes at first base. So someone's already thought of this right at this point. But oh, yeah, we well, can go to you, town you, on this one. You're, you're going to have to patent this. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. Yeah. Uh, all I know is I've got my spies out all over spring training. And when <laughs> stuff happens, they're going to alert me. I can't wait. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, Doug, I honestly think that we have invited the perfect guest to join us in Starkville this week and get us excited about spring training, the WBC, and the return of baseball. It is Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies, live from Clearwater, actually live from the golf course in Clearwater. (laughs) Kyle, give us an update on where you are right now, man. Well, we we are on hole three of a uh, great adventure, which I like to call golf, uh, because it's an adventure for me every time I play, uh, going to find balls in the trees and stuff like that. But, uh, no, down here at Clearwater, uh, playing with some of the boys, we're excited. Uh, it, you know, I, we're getting everyone down here. Um, we're excited for how this year is going to be. And, uh, you know, we just got to put in the work. And uh, if we keep doing that and we play our brand of baseball, we're, we're going to take it. Uh, uh, all right. Well, are you allowed to tell us who else is in your group on the course? I, I got JT. Phillies are going to win it this year. <laughs> I got uh, Bryson and uh, W over there. So uh, we're over here playing some some golf over here at Countryside and uh, just enjoying ourselves. All right. Well, this is a good group. I'm jealous. Uh, all right. Let's, okay. Um, let me start with this. Uh, you show up in Philadelphia, the Phillies go to the World Series, the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. Just sure, so you're aware this doesn't happen every year in Philly, <laughs> but I'm guessing you probably heard that someplace, right? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of hard to, you know, the cool thing is, right, we had three teams, three major sports, and 
championship games. And, uh, you know, that's something to give the city something to cheer about, but also too, you know, we want to finish the job for them and, uh, know that we're not satisfied by that. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is that the, the hunger is, is real here in that, uh, everyone's showing up excited to spring training, but also with a little chip on their shoulder as well. Yeah, well, you know, this is actually a, a great topic because we just had a Super Bowl involving a team from Philadelphia that kind of turned out like the World Series in a way. And, you know, maybe you can help the psyche of millions of Philadelphians just by offering some insight into how it is that people like you process the experience of getting so close to winning a championship and then not quite finishing the deal. I mean, you guys were up in the World Series two games to one. The Eagles were up in the Super Bowl by 10 at the half. What is it like emotionally when that doesn't end the way you hoped it would end? Does it stay with you all off season? And when that next season starts, is it forgotten or is it fuel? Um, it's a great question. I mean, it's definitely going to stay with you. You know, I think uh, we had a lot of guys – have their first one in the postseason, but also too for me you know being back in the world series and now losing it um you know your your first experiences my first experience was winning a world series and just knowing how great of a feeling that was and you know just going in and you're up two games to one you're not assuming anything you know there, there's still more games to be played but uh you know we put ourselves in a pretty good position there and uh you know going into those the next game get no hit um, then having a, a heck of a, a game in game five, you know, I thought that was one of the, the better games in the World Series. Uh, and then obviously losing in uh, game six, it, it stings and it stays with you. You know, those are the those are the things that you you keep in the back of your head and you have that feeling for when you do show up to spring training. That that's what that's what we're working for is is to get back, not just to be there, but to win it. So it doesn't go away, right? It's always there? It does not go away, ever. Trust me. Like I think that'll stay in the back of everyone's heads, for sure. That when we, especially, you know, now that we're playing everyone, you know, that especially when we're going to go back to Houston, it's going to be a little uh, little bittersweet. Right. It looks like you've got to tee off. Yeah, well, it yeah. Looks like, yeah. You guys want to grade, you guys can grade this swing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, who's on the camera right now? Is that JT? Yeah. He, guys, he tried landing up on a par four. I'm not sure why he wasn't going for it. But he just duck cooked it in the water. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was laying up? There will be zero yes, with tolerance on terror. Now is, there, <laughs> is there a podcast yeah. mulligan? Is there a podcast mulligan? <laughs> I would. But we got some friendly wagers. Uh -oh. <laughs> so, uh, Kyle – yeah, comment. I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, obviously, I I had a chance to play in Philadelphia. Went to college there. I'm curious the perception of Philadelphia before you became a Philly, and the reality of once you actually had that season under your belt. What are the two? Yeah, you know, I, that's a great question because I told a lot of people that my perception of Philly from being on the visitor side than being on the home side was just completely different. You know that you go to the you know, coming in as a visiting player that, you know, you, you, 
You know it's an you know it's a very aggressive place to play. That you're gonna get wore out in left field. You just you just go into the game knowing that, and you know you know it's a tough it's it's a tough place just because you know they're you know they're they're passionate and they're gonna let you know if you know their team's doing good or if their team's not doing good, right? So, um, you know th- that's kind of the the impressions that you have. But then when you get there, right now you're a home player and. You, know, you go throughout a whole season and see the way that they are just, you know, on a on a game-to-game basis and how they're, you know, they're always there and they're always in tune. And then, obviously, we get to that postseason and we have that run and you see the, the, the 40-something thousand, 50,000 people there, all, all just ready to go nuts. And, you know, you, the, the, the Brave series was amazing. And obviously the World Series was amazing and the, the NLCS was amazing too. But, you know, this having that first home experience was uh, in the playoffs was just unbelievable. And it's, it's trust me, it's a, it's an atmosphere and it's a, it's just, it, it goes, it goes underrated. It's very underrated for the atmosphere. You experienced Wrigley in October, and you told me that the atmosphere in Philadelphia was the single greatest atmosphere you'd ever played baseball in. How can that be? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think uh, you know, there's there was a difference. You know, I can't I can't say that it was you know, there there was different situations, right? Everyone was asking me about 2016, and the difference in the World Series in 2016 was you know there was 108 years on the line. <laughs> and you know there is a nervous but excited energy but also a nervous energy that they wanted us to get the job done in chicago and uh you know <laughs> we were we weren't winning i think we lost two games in chicago you know we lost three and four one five six seven and um having that nervous energy uh you know was just different from when you show up in philly and they're you know they're rocking from the first pitch, and it and it didn't matter until it was the last pitch that they were just going the whole game, and they wanted us, you know, they wanted the other team to feel like that they were a presence that they could not ignore uh, Philly as a home field advantage. Well, you ripped off six wins in a row at home to start the postseason. That also was helpful. <laughs> I recommend that. He's hitting out of the rough yeah. here. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's right side of the green. Oh, nice. All right. I'm playing better when I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> how many holes left? <laughs> so, sorry. What was that question again? That's a, it's it's okay. I I want to ask you about this. I, I know you've been in Clearwater for a while because of the WBC. Um, but that also means you had a really short off season. Like I was thinking yeah. about this. You played until November the fifth. You're already back in camp. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to play another football game for six months. <laughs> but what what's the most challenging thing about having an off season that short? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that we'd rather have it this way. <laughs> you know, that's that's the best part is that we're all coming out here and saying that we would rather have this short off season and you know, besides having that good old three months rest and rolling into the WBC, but there are challenges. Like you said, you know, we, we got to get the, we got to get to see pitching. We have to, you know, make sure that our bodies are ramped up. But at the end of the day, I think that we're all professionals and we know 
what we need to do to get our bodies ready to play, you know, if it's a nine inning game or, uh, you know, have to go out there and throw 70 pitches, whatever it is that we're going to be, we're going to be ready, but yeah, there are going to be challenges, but you know, I think the best thing is the, in the best way that we've been looking at it. We talked about yesterday that this is exciting for us because we're going to be ramping it up early and playing in postseason like games and spring training versus, okay, say the first, you know, week and a half, two weeks of spring training, and you're trying to really work on one, you know, okay, I'm going to see some pitches here, or I'm going to try to do this off this at bat versus, okay, I'm going in and it's game one. It's time to rock and roll. And the competitive juices are going and it's, it's playoff like baseball. And that's what we want. Who, who recruited you to play for team USA? How'd that come about? Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was funny. I was, I was just sitting at home and then, uh, you know, all of a sudden I got a phone call and, uh, it was from Tony Regan's and, uh, you know, he said, Hey, you know, Tony Regan's from uh, the world baseball classic. And, you know, he's the USA manager or general manager and that, uh, you know, he was, you know, just saying, Hey, we'd love to have you be a part of this. And, uh, uh, you know, try to, you know, bring back, bring back another championship. And, you know, I was, I was just saying, yes, 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 yes. You know, like, (laughs) you know, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't waiting for him to, the finish, you know, I said, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you just let me know where I need to be and I'll be there. You know, like this is, this is a special honor that it's like that bucket list item. And when you can have that and you get that call and you can represent your country in a game that there's so many different countries represented already, which is amazing. And you can go against, all these different talents and they're all going to be teammates. You know, you're going to be teammates with a lot of different guys, a lot of future hall of famers. And, you know, this is an experience that you got to be able to the, the take. And I, I, I'm just looking forward to having conversations with guys and obviously getting to getting to compete and, and play against a, a lot of different countries. And I think this, like, this is a great event for baseball. You know, we had Adam Wainwright on last week. He already had this vision in his head of, well, we're going to let him hit it. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening. Okay. He already had this vision in his head of himself draped in a flag after the USA wins this thing. Have you allowed yourself to go there? Um, you know, I don't think I've thought that far, but, you know, I'm thinking about wearing the, 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 the USA across their chest and, you know, understanding what that means and, you know, that when – you are wearing that you're, you're, you're representing more than just an organization or yourself. You're representing a whole, a whole country. And, you know, it's a, it's just a great way to, to show, you know, one, your thanks for, um, you know, one, the opportunity we get in baseball in this country, but also, um, you know, to live in one of the, the, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're going through some challenging times, but also it's a pretty dang good country as well. Well, Kyle, I mean, why don't you tell us and share with that longstanding history of how you've done a lot of work and service with first responders and you've made those connections. I mean, where does that come from? Yeah, that comes from uh, that comes from my, my dad and my mom. Uh, my dad was a 
he was a police officer for 40 plus years. And, um, my mom was, a so she, where she met my dad, she was a dispatcher as a, at the, uh, police department. And, uh, yeah, so she was the one answering the calls and things like that. 911. And, uh, that's where they met. And then she became a, a nurse. So, you know, I kind of grew up in the, the blue collared where mom and dad are in public service. And, uh, you know, dad would pick me up every single day, uh, from school. And I'd go back to the police department with him while he finished up, uh, his day at work. And, uh, it's kind of where I got the first clubhouse feel <laughs> of, you know, this is, this is what it's going to be like, you know, this is where, you know, you got a bunch of men and women in a clubhouse in a, in an office setting. And, uh, you know, they're all giving each other crap and it's great. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it, to be honest with you, it was probably going to be something I would have probably leaned toward where it was going to be, you know, first responder, you know, police, fire, military. You know, my sister was in the military and, uh, you know, that was going to be something that I was looking into. And, you know, baseball didn't work out, but luckily baseball worked out. And now that you have this platform that we're on, that we can shed the, the, the good light on the great things that these uh, men and women do every single day to uh, go out there and make sure that, uh, you know, we we can go out there and do what we need to do. And that's play baseball and, um, you know, have fun doing what we do. We play a child's game for a living while, you know, a lot of these men and women are going out there putting their lives online every single day and uh, being able to recognize their families as well. You know, knowing, not knowing if mom or dad are, it's going to be the last, you know, see you later or whatever it is. So being able to, to give those experiences to families, uh, first responders, um, you know, that's what it's all about. Awesome. You, you need to putt? I'm putting. Okay. A little par putt. A little par putt. He's got that kind of the special putter, though. Yeah, the, cool. the long putter. The long putter. Little mouth putter. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nope, uh, nope, nope. That's a bogey. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's in. That's in the hole. All right. Uh, but, yeah, but, you know, that that's something that, you know, for me, it, it, it's definitely – you know, for what my mom and dad, what my mom and dad did for me growing up, my sister, uh, you know, seeing the the sacrifices that they made for us, to for us to, you know, me to play baseball, my sister to, you know, ride horses and and, and things like that, um, you know, it, it's something that I'm sure there there are some families too that are in that line of business that might might not be able to provide like that, so. To try to just give out experiences and things like that is what it's all about. You know that um, that brings to mind something that uh, I really admire about you, which is the way uh, you're you're tuned into everyone around you, everyone in the room. Uh, you're you're you know you're such a leader. Uh, when I walk into uh, the, the clubhouse, I I always see teammates gathered around you or you at somebody else's locker, just connecting with those people around you and I'm, I'm sure some of that came from your mom and dad but has, has some of it also has it always been in your dna uh were there other players along the way who might have been a role model for you uh, like a david ross or someone who showed you how leaders do what they do yeah you know i i think it goes it, it kind of goes even farther you know behind that where obviously mom and dad right but also having good people around me in high school we had a great group of athletes in high school 
uh, playing football. Uh, you know, we were, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in playing multiple sports in high school and, you know, being able to play football in high school was a great, you know, lesson for me to where, you know, being on the defense and you're going to face some, some adversity and things like that, but also having to get back up and, you know, you just gave a big play and you got to get right back out there and, uh, try to, try to three and out them after that. So, uh, having great coaches, you know, Jason Cave, my uncle Tommy, uh, Jason Krause, uh, I can name them all back in high school. And then obviously going to college where the group at Indiana, you know, it was just a special group and we were all, you know, we all were always around each other. It was like our own little fraternity and, uh, you know, had a great time there. And then obviously minor leagues, you know, being able to have the Albert Amoros, the Daniel Vogelbach, Stephen Bruno's, uh, guys like that around you, uh, and then get into the big leagues. And then you walk into that first clubhouse and it's you know, David Ross, it's, uh, you know, John Lester, John Lackey, Dexter Fowler, Anthony Rizzo. I can go on for days. Jason Hayward, you know, these guys who have all been there, done that, that you just sit there and watch and they, they kind of, you know, you, they kind of teach you without teaching you the ways of how to, the carry yourself in a big league locker room and on the field and how to prepare and things like that. And, you know, you kind of bring in all these things that, um, you know, you, you listen, you hear, and then you kind of just formulate it to yourself. And, you know, I'm not going in there in, a, in the locker room saying, you know, I'm going to be this leader, you know, that I'm just being me. And I want to, you know, I've seen a lot of things in the game, uh, you know, at a young age where, you know, on top of the mountain and AAA the next year, uh, non-tender, you know, one-year deal to now being in this situation. You know, so if you can share experiences and you can learn from experiences, that that's what it's that's what this game is about. Being able to to learn from failures and being able to learn from your successes as well. So true. Um, let, let's spin this forward. Uh, you know, Doug and I were talking earlier about all the new rules that are going into effect this spring. We didn't uh, spend much time talking about the shift. So let's ask you, because the projections that I've seen show that you could benefit from uh, this shift ban uh, about as much as any hitter in baseball because of all the hard-hit ground ball outs you hit into the shift. I I'm curious if you've seen any projections that maybe the Phillies have done for you about how many more hits it could mean, what it could mean for your average, how it might change your life in the batter's box. All right. Hang on one second. I'll answer that. Yeah. See if we get a better shot for you guys this time. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Straight down the fairway. Swarp cam. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Partner, go. So. I think you beat the uh, shift with that one, by the way. <laughs> that one would have gone over. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think, well, obviously, I think the shift is going to help. Just going to help averages and, and things like that just with uh you know obviously you're not going to have freaking you know you're not going to have the great wall out there on the right <laughs> side <there. laughs> and uh you know so that's going to be great but you know also too i think it's going to promote contact right it's not going to promote you know trying to, to hit it over the shift anymore it's gonna you know you're going to get rewarded for contact now and uh you know that's something that for me i want to be able to 
you know, be a little bit more aggressive and cut down on the strikeouts to uh, be able to put the ball in play more. So, you know, if I do put the ball in play and it just happens to go on the ground to the right side, that there might be a chance that that's a hit now versus, you know, that that's not it. That wasn't a hit in the, in the previous years. So, you know, I think being able to, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of things for me, one, to be able to improve on this coming into this year, you know, being able to cut down on the strikeouts and being able to put the ball and play more and, you know what, you might be able to get a little bit more reward for that uh, if it is a ground ball on the right side versus, you know, trying to, you know, you might want to try to hit it over them or you might want to try to fillet one to the left field. Yeah. You know, that's a really big topic uh, inside the sport is whether banning the shift is actually going to change hitter mindsets, you know, where maybe you're not going to see as much of trying to lift the ball. You're not going to see as much of guys trying to pull the ball through the shift. Um, do you think you're going to have a different mindset because you don't have the great wall out there on the right side? Um, I think the biggest thing for me now is being a little bit more aggressive and, uh, you know, not getting, not getting deeper in counts. And I can be a little bit more aggressive now where, you know, I, for me, I think I got a little bit more of a, a taking problem than I do have a swing and miss problem <laughs> where, you know, I, sometimes I, t- I take, uh, you know, too many pitches to where, you know what, I can be a little bit more aggressive and not be so picky because I'm trying to, you know, not, not, you know, I'm trying to hit a line drive to, you know, fly ball, things like that to where um, now you know, I can I can swing a little bit more, but you know, I'm not gonna really change the way that I go about my pass because you know what? At the end of the day, I want to hit the the baseball in the barrel. Where, you know, I'm not this big guy that's gonna look into all the advanced stats and things like that. To where, you know what? I want to find the most efficient way for me to put the barrel on the ball, and for me, that's gonna be staying short, staying tight to the baseball, and uh, now for me to be a little bit more aggressive. Well, Kyle, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we met, you know, during the Super Regionals uh, when you were playing against Florida State. So going way back, uh, I'm curious w- where you stand now. Did you envision being this kind of hitter when you look back at your days in Indiana? Is this how you saw it playing out? Um, you know, for, for me, you know, I feel like I still have a lot of room to improve uh, in, in, the, in the hitting aspect, right? That. I don't want to be known as just the the home run guy, right? Like I want to be known as a hitter and a guy who can, you know what? Yeah, I I, I do hit home runs, but I, I also hit too. You know, I'm not just a, a two ten guy with you know thirty homers. You know, I'm I'm a you know I've always been a guy who can hit. So you know, I think that's that's going to be a thing for me moving forward. But you know, I also tell people. At the end of the day, hey, if my my career were the end of the day, I'd be damn proud about what we what I'd done in my career too. I, I, I want to ask you about a ball that you hit that I personally witnessed last October. That no shift was going to help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was uh, San Diego last year, game one of the NLCS. I I don't know if you've heard the call of it. Or we're going to let you hear it now. And it is a breaking ball. Swerve. 
Schwarber tees off. Two-nothing Phillies. That last at bat that he had when he got that single, it looked quick, short to the ball. It looked like it unlocked something, and he sat on it and crushed it. 119, 120 miles per hour off of the bat. That's one of the hardest hit balls in baseball this year. Yeah, 120 miles an hour off the bat, 488 feet, second deck, right field, Petco, where no ball had ever been hit in the history of that park. I I think I told you last fall, uh, that was the hardest hit baseball ever recorded by StatCast from a left-handed hitter. The hardest ever. So can you describe that? Can you put into words what it's like to hit a baseball 120 miles per hour and have it land with that ball? Yeah. Landed? Um, it doesn't feel like anything. Uh, I think that's the cool thing, right? That when you hit it, you know, you know you flushed it because you don't feel nothing. But, um, you know, I mean, I knew I hit it well, but, I, you know, I didn't know I hit it that well. And, you know, obviously home run's a home run. Especially in that stage where, uh, you know, we're in the postseason. You know, you're facing you Darvish, who's having a heck of a year, and you know, I love you Darvish just as a person and a teammate. And, and congratulations to him on his extension. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it to where, you know, it just came off the bat, and obviously I knew I got it, but watching where it hit, I go, ooh. That was that was hit good. <laughs> did you did you did you find the baseball somewhere on the golf course in Clearwater today? Did you did you find it? <laughs> oh man, uh, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I you know I you know I always say home runs a home run, but you know that one that one's definitely you know I, I got a lot of cool you know got a lot of cool moments, and I'll be up there with it. Uh, do you have a great memory of something that happened afterwards? Something somebody said? I, I know you, Darvish, said the next time he saw you, he might have to punch you. And your path did cross during that series. Did he actually throw that punch? That's why I went out there. I said, oh, you're going to hit me now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of respect for each other. And, uh, you know, we were just talking and talking about that. He goes, man, you crushed that ball. And, you know, then we just talked about family and friends and things like that. But, uh, you know, now I mean, yeah, everyone just coming in the dugout and you're just screaming and yelling at each other because, you know, one, it's, it's a run in the postseason, which is big, but also two, just the, the distance of it. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool reactions. Yeah. Okay. Is, okay. is JT there? there? Cause he, he had some thoughts about that after talking about it. They want to know what you thought about that home run in San Diego that I hit. Wow. Guys, <laughs> that was incredible. I've never personally seen a ball hit that far or that hard. What about you? I said that immediately as soon as I saw it. I mean, I couldn't believe how far that ball went. When he hit it, I was like, wow, he really got that. And then once it landed, it was just I've never seen a ball fly that far in that ballpark or anywhere for that matter. Yeah, I was just telling him, hardest hit ball ever measured by StatCast by a left-handed hitter. (laughs) I believe that. I believe, And it was perfectly backspun. Here we go. We got a driver this time, guys. Okay. Oh, Oh, he's got Oh, oh! What do you think? Oh, line drive, line drive to right. No shift, probably a hit. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the second deck, though. This game, this game's so complexing to me that there's a stationary ball, (laughs) and we can hit balls in the in the cage wherever we want to off the tee. 
And then you get in here and you just got a little tiny ball. It should be easier to hit. <laughs> and you can't hit it where you want it to go. But you know what the best part is? It's where you hit, you go, you hit a bad shot. You go, God, give me another ball. I got to hit it again. And then you hit the perfect one. Why can't you just do that the first time? <laughs> Golf. The awful torment you, man. So wait, you mentioned, you mentioned, buck, you mentioned bucket list. And, uh, I, well, I'm thinking about last season too, about how, uh, the, the, the switch kind of flipped for your team right now. I know taking over a new coach, new manager and so on, but what did you see as the sort of tale of two cities last season that you're bringing with you this season to say, okay, I want to get off to a different kind of start as a team. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think, you know, I think the best things, right. Is that we, we had expectations that everyone was expecting us to do something good. Right. Like that means you have a, you have a, pretty good team right people are expecting you to do good things and you know it's more about the pressure that you you put on yourself and you know that you you don't want to fall into that trap and i don't say i don't i'm not saying that we are putting pressure on ourselves but uh you know i think at the end of the day where you know we knew that we weren't getting the results that we wanted to and um that obviously we want to get off to a great start you know that's that's the that's number one but you know obviously with what we've done in the off season to um to to see what we've done now since we made that push in the postseason but now where we're at you know i think it's just more about playing our brand of baseball you know obviously rob thompson is a great leader to where he's he's a guy that he trusts his players and he trusts the guys that he has and uh you know he's not gonna freak out if you know we losing streak or he's not gonna you know keep patting us you know pat us too high to where you know if we're on a great win streak you know he wants us to stay the same he knows the roller coasters throughout the game and you know if we can consistently come in with with great work and come with a great focus that that's all that that's all that we need to do and at the end of the day, the results will be the results. You know, you can't worry about um, the future. You can only worry about the present and you can only, you know, worry about your work that you do before the game because after that, it's all about competing. And we just got to be able to compete at the end of the day. And if we do all those things the right way and we do it the way that we want to do it, there's going to be good things that happen. You know, I think we need to talk about the NL East. You think there was enough money spent in the NL East? Uh, your team and the Mets alone spent $800 million on free agents. And if you can't extensions, Phillies, Mets, Braves guaranteed over $1 billion to players this winter. What does that tell you about what life's going to be like in the NL East in 2020? <laughs> it means it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of hard games. And, you know, I think, you know, that's great for baseball that – you know, this is going to be a really competitive division. And uh, that's what people want to see. People want to see competition. People want to see the, the, the rivalries. And people want to see the, you know, the, the, the 95 win plus teams going at it with each other, right? So that just, that just shows you that the, uh, that the owners here are, are, are wanting to go out and they want to win and it shows you know it gives you that little extra fire as a player too knowing that you do have that that support 
uh, going into the season, and they're going to give you every possible resource that you can to uh, go out there and and try to win that game. Do you like it when the stakes are that high? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's why we play. That's why we play the game, you know, like, you know, getting the – Getting the chance and uh, you know, I got a chance to play in the American League East for just a, a, a quick minute, and uh, that was fun baseball. You know, being able to play NL Central baseball there when you know the Cubs, Cardinals, and Milwaukee, and you know even the Reds and were and you know heck back in '15 where it was St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and the Cubs where we were all going at it. Like that's great baseball. And now, you know, last year great baseball with the the Mets, Atlanta and, and Phillies and, you know, everyone kind of sleeps on the Marlins just because, you know, they, they don't end up winning games, but people don't realize how hard fought those games are just with their <laughs> pitching. <laughs> and, you know, like it's, 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 it's such a fun division to play in, but it's also a, you know, it, it's, I'm get, I get, I'll get a lot of white hairs now just <laughs> from playing in this division, you know, this, you know, it, it, but it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to, to play to play baseball, that kind of brand of baseball uh, in this division where the stakes are going to be high and, uh, you know, we're all going to be pushing to, to try to get in the postseason and, and try to win the division. You know, there's a really fun uh, baseball novel called Veracruz Blues, and there's a quote in it, uh, one of the great quotes, I never forget it, and it, uh, it goes something like this. The goal is not to beat Goliath, the goal is to be Goliath. That's the <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of heck there's heck of a talent in the NL East, and it, it's a it's a you know I think all the teams in the NL East have a lot of respect for each other because you know we go up against each other all the time, and they're all hard fought games. It's 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 not like it's you know blowout after blowout after blowout. These are all hard fought games to the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, you played with Trey Turner, who's your new shortstop, and he's an incredibly talented human being. What about him blows you away as a fellow member of the human species? <laughs> uh, the fact that uh, he's really uh, skinny and he can hit <laughs> really far balls, and uh, the way that he runs, and the way that he plays defense, and the way that he is as a human being, he's just a great dude overall, man. Like, if there's a way to say a perfect fit that, you know, I feel like this guy's going to be the perfect fit for our team with just the personalities that we have in the clubhouse uh, and what we're, what we're trying to do. And obviously the position that he plays and how he's going to fit the lineup. It's just a perfect match overall. It's, it's, it's really awesome. How is he going to hit? Who's going to hit leadoff? <laughs> uh, hold on one second. <laughs> Know how he does it. He just jumps right in. Yeah. <laughs> bad layup. But uh yeah, that's a good question. That's a good crap question for Rob Thompson. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean I, I for me, I really don't care where I'm gonna hit at. You know, as long as I'm hitting in the lineup with these guys and and, and trying to, to help the team win every day, you know, I think that's gonna be the, the biggest thing. And uh, you know, Trey's a heck of a talent, and if he's in the leadoff spot, if he's in the two-hole, you know, you saw him in the three-hole in, in L.A., you know, the guy's going to have success. So wherever you put that guy to, he's going to have success as well. But you're the king of the leadoff home run. You started the freaking <laughs> season with a home run, right? 
<laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that's that's that was you know that's a moment that goes definitely probably top three, top five for me just because uh, you know being in a new city and uh, you know trying to get the things started off right for yourself and to be able to put the first ball or your first at bat, put one in the seats. That's that's a really cool experience for me and something that I'm never going to forget. But, yeah, you know what? If they keep me in the leadoff spot, hey, you know what? I mean, I did have 11 bags last year. No big deal. You know? I mean, I, had, I could go out these new big bags. Heck, I could go out there for 25, maybe 30. Watch out, Trey. <laughs> no, <this is> not... <laughs> right? Uh-oh, here's, he's lining up. Good contact. Sounded good. Yeah. Right. That's a homer to right center. Nice. <laughs> Great contact, though. I, I love having Schwab Cam. This is a whole <laughs> new level we've reached. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be getting like Max Homer on the, after this podcast. He's gonna see this. He's gonna see that swing and be like, "Dude, it looks like you got old man hips and things like that." It's crazy. Like the, the baseball swing. You know what? I can get my hips through no problem. But when it comes to the golf swing and trying to get your hips through, trying to slow down your hips, it, it's crazy. It's such a crazy game. <laughs> so, Cobb, curious if you do you feel like a veteran at this point in your career? Do you, do you feel like have you transitioned? Where, where are you in your in your career? Yeah, um, you know that's a great question. <laughs> I don't know what I am. You know, like <laughs> you know, I've played. I've, I've been around. I'm JT says I'm a veteran, so <laughs> I guess I'm a veteran. But you know the the. To be in the spot where I'm at, where I played the game, you know, for now parts of what was, I guess, like seven seasons since 15. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 22, eight, eight parts of eight seasons going into part of eight seasons. Um, yeah, you know what? You, you do kind of feel like that, but I also, you know, I still feel young every single day. And, you know, these being around these young guys, they make me feel young. And uh, we have fun each and every single day. So, you know, I just, I'm just me, man. I just want to go out there. I'm going to have fun. If people want to ask questions, they ask questions. And I'm trust me, I ask a lot of questions too to a lot of different people, and uh, you know, try to try to get better every day. And you know, I, you know, but yeah, you know, I guess I I guess I'm kind of getting I'm getting to that older man's part of the stage <laughs> baseball, being the veteran. <laughs> Got that age starting with a three. So <laughs> what are you going to uh, do? <laughs> um, yeah. All right, um, I I wanted to do a quick lightning round, but if you got a hit, I'll I'll wait till you finish. Uh, well, just well, just be would be five quick questions. First thing we'll that pops go, in your go head. For it. But... I got five. I got five quick. I got five quick questions. Then. Okay, let's go. All right, thing you missed most about playing in Chicago. <sighs> Left center field. <laughs> <laughs> Being yeah. really short. Yeah, on a sunny, <laughs> sunny afternoon, right? Uh, right With the wind blowing out. I think you might already have answered this. What your favorite quirk or feature of Wrigley Field? Uh, I, I won't say left center field. I'll say uh, I'll say the bleachers, the the bleachers, and just like the whole the whole outfield out there of the ivy, the bleachers, the old school scoreboard. That's 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 a real big perk for me. Yeah, that's a great slice of baseball life. Uh, weirdest piece of memorabilia you own? <laughs> oh man, um, 
I will say <laughs> memorabilia. Mem- weirdest piece of memorabilia. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a great question, dude. Um, I, I would say uh, TJ Huzmanzada signed helmet. Really? Yep. Big Bengals fan here. I, I was just going to make that point. Uh, uh, all right. Something about uh, Philadelphia that you did not know before you played in Philadelphia. Mm, man. That's a man. You really put me on the spot now. That's <laughs> Sorry really, about that. There's a lot of different things, but yeah. um, uh, man, I will say the zoo. How awesome the zoo is! <laughs> that zoo is the zoo is amazing, actually. America's oldest zoo. Do I remember that yes, right? Yes, it is America's mm-hmm. oldest zoo. Yeah, it is America's oldest zoo. <laughs> I'm glad you're a happy zoogar. All right, one more thing. <laughs> Got to ask this favorite. Cheese steak spot in oh, Philadelphia. Oh, 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 oh. oh man, I think it's Angelos. It's <laughs> a great choice. Yeah, great choice. I think it's Angelos. <laughs> okay, there's no wrong answer, but that's a great answer. Or uh, can I say Wawa? You can say Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're Ice no. Tea is great. Ice tea. <laughs> Stick with Angelos. <laughs> let's, let's do that. All right, man, this has been so much fun. Um, I hope we helped your golf game. <laughs> you guys definitely helped me take some of my mind off some of these shots, but uh, I don't know. I think the bad thing is now is going to be where I'm standing at the end of this and, and the game that we're playing. So I might be getting a couple more gray hairs after this. But... <laughs> no, it's all our fault. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. I Trust me, I, I, I appreciate you guys, and thank you guys for working with me on this. But I hope it – it was a different experience for everyone, and it was a lot of fun. So it, thank you guys. made it so much fun. I really, really appreciate your carving out the time to do it. Uh, I'll see you in a clear. I'll see you in Clearwater in a few days. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys. Thanks, thank, Jason. Thanks, thanks so much, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Good seeing you, man. Hit him straight. Right. That was awesome. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. Really, seriously, one of the most fun shows we ever did. Yeah. Thank, well, the, thank the fellas too. I, I can't wait to, yeah, I can't wait to have Max Homa, uh, uh, you know, really critique the swing now because it's going to be all over the internet and how bad it is. Yeah. Well, you, you were so. way more, way more fun than, uh, Kevin Millar's steers. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Talk to you soon. All Thanks. All right, thank you guys. All right man. You, all right. you guys have a good day. See you too. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Okay, here we go again. It's time for Listener Trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Uh, Doug, by my count, we're still 0 for 2023 in trivia. Is that good? Mm -hmm. It's good if you're 
on another planet. Yes, I think it's good. Um, <laughs> depends on how long the year is in, in that particular solar system. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I believe we're still on this planet. I'll check mm -hmm. on that and get back to you, but pretty sure. So yeah. it's it's not that good. And frankly, I don't like our chances this week either. But you never know. <laughs> I, do you believe in miracles, Doug? I'm going to say yes. 1980. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if you remember last week, we got flooded with great questions, uh, linking baseball and the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, we had so many good ones. We didn't get to them all. So we went back to that well again this week. And that gives us a chance to talk to this week's special trivia guest star, Tom Raven. Tom, <laughs> yeah. thanks for joining us on Starkville. Wow. Oh, thanks so much for having me. What a great opportunity. Well, uh, you know, since you're actually named after a football team, you're the, you're the perfect person to ask this question. <laughs> but before we get okay. to the question, uh, tell us where you're from, what team you root for besides the Ravens, and what inspired that question. Yeah, I'm actually not a Ravens fan. Um, I'm, I, I, <laughs> no. I live I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm a pastor here, but I, I was born in Atlanta. Uh, we moved away when I was seven, but sweet tea and the Atlanta Braves, that mm. stuck. So yeah. I'm a huge, huge Braves fan. Uh, well. I was, yeah, we were just in Greensboro last summer. My daughter does oh. gymnastics, uh, so she stayed there on campus. Uh, is an NCA Excellent. and T, yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah, Beautiful we, campus. My, yeah, my wife lived in Greensboro for a while. Oh, yeah. excellent. excellent. Uh, all right, well, listen, your, your question's way too hard for the likes of us, <laughs> but we're going to tackle it anyway. That's hey, right. you see what I did there? We're going to tackle it. I heard it. I got it. <laughs> so, uh, like, that line will probably be the high point of all this, but, but Tom... <laughs> What what is your question? All right, name the four cities slash metropolitan areas mm -hmm. to win the Super Bowl, then the World Series in the same year. Okay, so if I'm reading this right, if it's the Super Bowl and then the World Series, that would mean correct. It's the same calendar calendar. Year. Okay, Super oh, Bowl first, then the World Series that October. Ooh, uh, this is hard, Doug. I think we should just try to think it through logically. Um, we're not going to plan use that term metropolitan area. So obviously yeah. that, <laughs> that we, helps. We, we caught onto this last week. That means the Patriots and Red Sox. <laughs> it could be a state. It could be whole, all of California. I think we'd be pretty good. <laughs> okay. uh, producers That's... note guys, this one, this would count the Bay area also if yes. necessary. Oh, the oh, entire right. Bay area. The Bay entire? Area. Yes. Bay area. Oh, really? So this so could be like Giants, A's, A's 49ers? A's 49ers oh. counts? I mean, you don't have to tell us, but oh, okay. So oh, it is a because last week area. we had a whole different ruling. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we move around from week. Really? Okay, okay. so oh, let's okay. keep that in mind, Doug. Well, I mean, I, uh, look, had, there, I had the list anyway. So okay, there has to be a, a, some New York New York combination that works. Might even be multiple. I was thinking 1969 Joe Namath Jets oh, Miracle yeah. Mets, right? Totally so right. I, I, okay, so that's two. We yeah. only need two more. Um, to me, Where, Pittsburgh yeah, seems like it's one, doesn't it? That's you know, what I Pirates, have. Pirates won Seven. a couple of World Series in the '70s. That was when the Terry Bradshaw, Mean Joe Green Steelers were in their heyday. I think they beat the Rams that year. Vince Ferragamo, six seventy-nine. I mean, I'm uh -huh. just throwing out. So I'm they would have won seventy-nine. Then we know the Pirates won seventy-nine. Okay, I could so be wrong. We, but we might have three it. already. So then we've got. Let me got to figure out the rest. Uh, the the whole Bay Area connection seems too obvious. Um, 
Well, except the, the okay. Hold on a second. Now, the, Wait, we already have the band, Giants. Never won a World Series until 2010. Uh, the Raiders weren't winning any Super Bowls then, so I think that combination's out. But um, oh, we're we're reviewing the Bay Area. I just slapped it in there. So, oh, so it can be think? it could be Giants, Ra- it could be Niners, Raiders, A's. I mean, all that. That's what we're saying. Yeah, but. Again, the the giant. Remember, the Giants never won until 2010. Okay. Okay. And that does hurt. I, I just wondered, did the 49ers win in 2010 or 12 they, or 14? Because I just wish I had a better memory of the what the when the post Montana, post Steve Young, 49ers won the Super Bowl. But what Ooh. year did they win the Harbaugh Bowl? Could that have been 2014? Oh, when they played the was that the Ravens? Who did they play? I don't know. I don't know. But but if, but if we have A's, Niners, eighty nine A's and forty Niners, oh, that's a real decent. possibility, huh? Yeah, I mean, I would. Um, I'm not sure I can nail down the year of the football, but it, it, I know I, can, I got it's, the team. <laughs> it's a problem. Does that count? Yeah. And then, um, so then, like Rams, Dodgers in L.A. in the '70s and the '80s. I don't know. Uh, oh, St. Louis, yeah. Rams and Cardinals, Cardinals and Cardinals. No, Cardinal. The their St. Louis Cardinals never. No, they did. did. Kurt Warner Cardinals won, right? Yeah. Uh, no, that was the Rams. Hold on. <laughs> okay, right. St. Louis Rams. Is it St. Louis Rams? The St. Louis Rams won with Kurt Warner. Did that match up with when the Cardinals won with Albert? I have no idea. I don't know. But uh, the other one, I, the other one I wrote down was a Baltimore. Orioles and Colts, maybe 1970. The Colts did win one in there somewhere. Ooh. The Orioles won in 1970. So that's what I've got. Wow. Doug, what do you, what Baltimore. Do you think? I didn't see that one coming. So wait. Yeah, so what, is, what do we have? You're saying Bay Area. So we New York, we, th- we kind of like Baltimore. We like New England, New Lee. York, and uh, Pittsburgh, right? And then we're trying to figure out. What else? But it feels like we just got a big clue on Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a Bay Area, New York, Pittsburgh, and then it's like New England or Baltimore or something like that. It's one I of those. I think that's got to look. We New England has to be one. Oh my god, it has to be. Yeah, I mean, they won every year. They won every year. They won eleven right. times with Brady. So then who are we quite. kicking out? Are we? Are we? What are we down to? We're saying the Pittsburgh. <laughs> We're not sure about the Bay, the New York. I'm writing this down. Bay Area, and we're not. So, what are we? What's if, on the fence right now? If we what if we, we guess Bay Area, do we have to guess which two teams? All right, so we're we're 100 percent sure about New York. <laughs> you know yes. what? Yes, because I gave you the clue, so you have to get the, if if you go with <laughs> Bay Area. So I think I think we would go 49ers A's. I I actually think thinking about think Pittsburgh should, now. I think. I think, well, you think the timing of the Pirates didn't match up with the pot, the timing of the Steelers, but I could be wrong on this. I have no idea. I, I mean, 79. <laughs> I mean, goodness, We're so 70, I mean, I th- it's not Steelers. Steelers beat the Rams somewhere in there. I don't know if that was later. Was that in the 80s? They something? did. That was Vince Ferragamo. Was that 70? So let's see. It would have been. I mean, 78, maybe? Well, they, all right, they beat the Dallas, obviously, multiple times, yeah. right? The Cowboys in the 70s, somewhere in the 70s. I don't know if it was 79. doesn't sound yeah. right, but 78. 
when, when the Yankees won the World Series in 77-78, I mean, who won the Super Bowls? I don't know. Was that Steelers country? Uh, All right. <laughs> I, like, I like that answer, though. All right, it, New England, it, Pittsburgh. It, Giants were winning the Super Bowl in 77 or 78. But we've already got a New York one. We don't, we don't okay. need another one. That's right. Forget that. All right, so I think we're down New England, to what? So New England, Bay, New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going A's, 49ers. And then mm-hmm. is Pittsburgh the other one? Is Baltimore the other one? All right. We, we, I think we should. All right, Baltimore. Let's think about this for a second. All right. So you said they won in 70? The Orioles won in 1970. No, no, of, no, didn't the Pirates beat them in 70? No. Roberto, Roberto the Pirates Clemente beat them in 71. That was 71. They lost in 69. They lost in 71. They won the one in the middle in 70. And the Colts won that Super Bowl somewhere in there with the, the Jim O'Brien field goal. Um Johnny Unitas, does that sound familiar? Okay. So it, it just the question is, well, it's the right year. Let, look, we got to guess. We got to move on here. Let's go. Okay. Come on. Go ahead. So, I mean, what are we saying? <laughs> New England, Pittsburgh. Wait, what do we have? Pittsburgh, New York. <laughs> got Bay, New, Bay we got Area. New York, New England, uh, Bay Area. We need one more. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I got, I, see, the last time I jumped in and I was out of my age limit. 1970 is when I was born. I feel like... So you're saying Pittsburgh or Baltimore? That's what we're down to, right? I think so. When did the Colts... Come on. 69 Colts? 70 Colts? Chiefs just, won the... What Super Bowl won? What right, is Super Bowl one? What year is that? I, no, it's not... It was, it was like... Super Bowl one was 66... Ah, 67, something like that. Like, I'm going to step in because last Packers. year you talked me out of the right answer. Okay. This year we're, we're I'm going to, to this week, I'm going to make the call. Okay. So Tom, obviously we have no idea. <laughs> I think we should we're gonna get this it. over with. Is there yeah. any chance it's New England, New York, uh, the whole Bay Area thing and <laughs> Pittsburgh? That's our ding, guess. ding, 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 ding. We got it. Got yeah. it. <laughs> you got it. Oh my God, we did yeah. it. Was that luck or was it skill? Yeah, because it doesn't I, even I'm matter. Baltimore, yeah, Pittsburgh. All right. So who? What? That's... Pirate. The the Steelers <laughs> beat. Did they beat the Rams in '79? Is that right? They beat the Cowboys. In Cowboys. 79. Okay, I'm glad yeah. it wasn't the Rams. Rams was Pir- Pirates beat the Orioles. Who? All right. Wow. Hey, this Amazing. puts us on the board in 2023. Maybe we're not doomed after all, man. Ooh, no, glad I can help. Nice work. Tom, aren't you shocked? I'm shocked. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Oh, <laughs> he's got more confidence in us than us. Well, when did the Colts <laughs> win the Super Bowl then? <laughs> Just like 71? Or yeah, the 71. Yeah, I think they won oh, it my, after, like after the year. Orioles won the World Series. Oh, after. oh well. wow. Good try. Nice. Yeah. All right, well, look, at any rate, whether we get the questions right or whether we get the questions wrong, the highlight of these trivia segments is always not the part that involves us. It's the part where we bring in the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, to play another cool play-by-play clip involving this week's answers. So, Tim, uh, just like last week, this week you have the option of giving us a World Series highlight or a Super Bowl highlight. What did you pick? Well, it's a baseball show. Same thing when I go with the World Series. But I, I will say, as far as Baltimore goes, so the Orioles won it in 70, 
And the Colts won it for the 1970 season, but the Super Bowl was in 71. Oh, they were oh, really, so it was really, really. We close. were like if you had gotten it wrong fought. because of that, that would have been that would have hurt. That would have yeah, been, been that's a bad thing. We would we would have thrown a challenge flag on that. <laughs> yeah. It flag. would have been typical, <laughs> yeah. but it would have been wrong. Uh, and that Bay Area World Series, the reason I, I wanted to include it is because it was an All Bay World Series in '89. It was Giants and A's. And then the Niners won the Super Bowl, so that was pretty cool for that. So yeah. anyway, we're gonna go on to we're gonna go back to the first one, which was 1969. First, the Jets win. Really, two miracles, right? Joe yeah. Namath guaranteeing the win and upsetting the Colts, and then of course the Mets that October. Here you go. Well, it's up to Dave Johnson now to save the Orioles. He's had one hit in three times. Met fans now over 57,000 roaring in every pitch. The 2-1 pitch. There's a fly ball hit out to left. Waiting is Jones. The Mets are the world champion. <laughs> Gary Kuzman being mobbed. Was that Kurt Gabby? Kurt Gowdy. Kurt Gabby on the call. Yeah, that was so much fun. Uh, hey, Tom. Awesome question. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for coming up with it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. All right. You know, you too can be part of these trivia segments just like Tom, and we'll tell you how in just a few minutes. Sliding, catching, and going into the dugout. Take a seat here in the dugout. It's our favorite place to hang out this time of year because it's that place where our friend Doug Glanville tells us stories. Uh, and we love these stories, Doug. Um, so this week... We've arrived at the first day of spring training for a lot of teams, so we thought it would be cool to hear Doug reminisce about his first day of spring training back in his day. Uh, Doug, you experienced, uh, what, a decade's worth of big league spring training camps. I bet you can remember the first day you showed up in a lot of them. Tell us about what you remember. (laughs) Wow. You know, I, I, I bowled it over about, well, which was the most memorable? And, and they all had their own style. There's nothing more special than showing up to spring training and knowing it's that time of year. And, you know, from getting traded to, uh, you know, being in new teams. I remember signing with the Yankees and the Yankees whisking away my Reds Phillies bag saying it was illegal in the locker room. <laughs> and I remember that. But, uh, but I have to go back to my very first Major League Spring ca- Training Uh you know, I had a little taste in getting the honor of a minor leaguer getting called up for like the ninth inning, the pinch run kind of thing. But when I was officially a major league roster player, uh, I think that was 1994, I went into spring training and it was almost a moment where your childhood and your sort of, uh, you know, the idol idolatry of it all, you kind of changes <laughs> over to be like, I actually belong here. You know, I'm, I'm here. And for me, that was when I walked up to my locker and I saw Ryan Sandberg's jersey hanging to the left. And I say, wow, they actually put me next to Ryan Sandberg. And I think that really crystallized the seriousness of it, even though it's like the excitement of being at that first camp and saying, I I belong, I'm a major league, I have a shot to make this team, to the moment of like, this is serious. Like, I really want to make this team. I really have to find out how to get to the next level. And I'm now surrounded by big leaguers every day that will give me that knowledge that will help me figure out like what it takes, all the experience in the room. And and that comes from spring training of, I remember Chuck McElroy and Heath Cliss Slocum and how they let me stay 
for free in their apartment saying, you know, you just got here. We want to give you a chance. And the pay it forward mentorship that exists in these camps. And, and that team had a whole bunch of characters outside of Sandberg, who I had my image, you know, I was a Philly fan too. And the fact that he hardly spoke and hardly said a word, but he just kind of just beat up his opponents through almost a silence, right? He just stayed a step, <laughs> a step ahead of you. And, and I think that was important because I was a guy that was kind of criticized at different time for being too low key or nonchalant. It was good to see a guy like Sandberg who just put on his uniform, beat you down as an opponent, and then went home. But we also had guys like Mark Grace, Sean Dunson, who were debating things every single day. I mean, you can't you can't come from two different backgrounds than those two. Yet they were great friends, and they talked about real social issues. They didn't care. They but they also imparted a lot of knowledge about the game just listening to them debate. And uh, and and then you had Randy Randall K Myers, Randy Myers just out of his mind and he was he was hilarious and a lot of fun but his whole locker was like a military store yeah. of grenades and you know <laughs> camo and i remember he drove a hummer that was actually a hummer right it wasn't like the i mean we were, and i rode in it i was like okay this is not comfortable at all like what? so i uh, got it from like desert storm or whatever he did so i mean <laughs> You know these things, you know, stick with you. And and uh, but one other thing that that really stayed with me is you remember the legend of Tuffy Rhodes, right? Carl Rhodes, and opening, Ro- opening day three home runs, three home runs off of Dwight Gooden, and he was the future. And this guy had a great minor league career, ultimately a great career in Japan. And I remember Willie Wilson, who was I was a huge Phillies fan, and I remember Willie Wilson having a really tough World Series in 1980, striking out against the Phillies. But I was happy, of course, the Phillies win. And now all of a sudden I'm in I'm in Major League Camp and Willie Wilson's my teammate. And now he's got the gray beard. He's like, you know, in his whatever late 30s. You know, he's a triple speed guy, great defender, but getting older. And I just remember him kind of picking a fight with Carl Rhodes, Tuffy Rhodes, because he just wanted to just establish that he's still here. And and it was almost the feeling of you're gonna you're you're gonna get forgotten. And and, and that the fear of going into that retirement unwillingly and involuntarily was something that really over overwhelmed him. And I remember him always, you know, picking a fight and having to separate these guys and just kind of being shocked. Like that's so different than the image of, you know, this guy's had a great career. You pass the knowledge on, there's nothing to worry about to the insecurity you feel as a veteran. And, and so I think that first camp, you take in all this stuff. It's not just like I'm a kid in a candy store, but it's the experiences, the knowledge that's imparted, the, the joy of like, I can't believe I'm actually here in this lineup, right? But also the fact that you do have something to offer and you have to come to terms to the fact that you you do belong and you have something that you could contribute as well. And and when you each game that you play and you're facing a guy that you have their baseball card of from Fernando Valenzuela to Teddy Higuera, you start to feel like, okay, I, I am home right now. And those guys in that locker room are the ones that really make that true because they... They take you under their wings. And I found just a lot of unselfishness in that locker room. And from that, I ended up taking that experience and paying it forward to when I was finally in those positions. And I was the old man watching Marlon Bird or other guys, you know, kind of catch up to me. And so I have to go back to first spring training. I'll never forget it. And uh, and those moments stay with me forever. And uh, and I know that there's players today that are about to report to camp that are going to have that very same feeling in a matter of days. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, like I obviously have never experienced first day of spring training 
as a player, but I've experienced many of them in my line of work. Uh, there's nothing that makes me feel better about life than day one of spring training. Uh, I, I, I did forget my wife's birthday <laughs> once on one of those first days of spring training. Uh, we better tell that story some other time. <laughs> but that's a very memorable first day of spring training. But again, we'll tell it some other time because that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, we'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all spring training along on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts and if you'd like to read any of the fabulous must read spring training coverage in the athletic you've come to the right place if you just head on over to theathletic.com slash baseball show and you're a new subscriber you can subscribe for just one dollar and 99 cents a month for the next 12 months mm. and also remember you too can be part of this podcast because every show we pick some fun listener trivia question. Then that lucky listener gets to join us right here and attempt to stump us. Some weeks, he he fails. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but how would you do that? Let us tell you how you could do that. Uh, you could always email us at Starkville at theathletic.com. That's Starkville with an E on the end. we got a great email question that we just keep saving every week. We'll get to it. Um, or you can hit us up with the questions at the Twitter where Doug Glanville still resides. Am I right about that, Doug? I'm still living here. I have not grown wings, though. Uh, one day, if we're on Twitter enough, you do turn into a bird. Uh, that has not happened yet, though. <laughs> okay, but um, if you were... Okay, before you turn into a bird, mm -hmm. is there like a Twitter handle that you might have? Yes, that's you what can fly. I asked you. Oh, that's right. I forgot that part. <laughs> yeah, you, you can fly to me at Doug Glanville. D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-B-I-L-L-E, and that's it. Right, you don't have to you don't have to leave Earth to find me. I'm at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. That's at Jason with a Y S T. Please remember, hashtag your questions, hashtag Starkville QS. So Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Kyle Schwarber for visiting us. Thanks to Tom Raven for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. And Doug and I will see you soon from spring training on Starkville. Pretty close. Mm, I don't know. One of our closer ones. I would say it's, I'm going to blame the delay. <laughs>